You are listening to the Vineyard Nordic podcast. We invite you to join us on the exciting journey of following Jesus and bringing the kingdom of God wherever we go. This episode was recorded at the Vineyard Nordic Summer Camp. I've never had so much fun before a seminar in my life. This is so cool. I feel very Jesus. Look how Jesus we are. We're like, oh, yeah, we'll just do seminars on the hillside. I expect somebody to walk up with some fish and some bread at any minute. All right. So... Uh, are you okay here? Is your is your ears bleeding? No, I'll try very hard. Sorry. If you do like this the whole time, it'll be okay. Uh, thank you so much for coming. Uh, today uh, is the one of a two-parter. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about some stuff, and today, we're going to be talking about some stuff. Today, we're going to be talking, well, essentially, over the next two days, we're going to give you five key tools to... Um, to help your kids meet and know God um, without you having to do anything else besides be you. Because I know as soon as we start talking about how to help our kids meet and know God, we all think, now I have to do church at home, and ain't nobody got time for that. So uh, this is, you are all busy parents, and this is how, whether you're a parent, a grandparent, a children's leader, whoever you are in the life of a child, how you can be deeply impactful and help them walk out their faith. Some of this, um, what I'm going to share today is an book called Parenting Children for a Life of Faith. Uh, It has been translated into Danish, and so uh, there's a book called Tro i Bernhoide, which is, thanks, thanks. Uh, Thank you, thank you. I practiced that very hard. Uh, And uh, that exists, and so some of this is in that information, and I'm also going to tell you how to get a lot more free resources uh, for that. So, we're going to jump in. I... Uh, lived in terrorist housing. Uh, well, no, let me start back up a bit a little bit. Um, I, I feel when I look at scripture, I don't see in scripture Jesus saying, create incredible church programs and drag children towards me because it's going to take so much to get them to like me. His plan for discipleship um, was not in any way... Um, program. His plan for discipleship is something very, very simple. It is you. I'm going to read to you Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. God is speaking and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And you're like, yeah, that'd be great. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you walk al- when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is the ordinary boring bits of life of ancient Israel. This is the when you're walking on the road, when you're getting dressed in the morning, when you're doing the boring bits of life, do God. And the thing is here, I... As a children's pastor, I'm in none of those places. I don't get to crawl into your windows at night and wake up your children. Morning. Let's talk about Jesus. I don't uh, pick out their outfits with them. I don't do the boring, everyday, ordinary bits of life with your kids. Only you do. Um, Church, fascinatingly, uh, if kids come every Sunday to church, which they don't, but if they did, uh, we get them 100 hours a year. 
100 hours a year. Do you know, on average, internationally, uh, in Western society, how many times, how many hours a year, thank you, uh, parents have with their children? The average child has 1,300 hours a year of media. Yeah, terrifying. Parents have between two to 3,000 hours a year. We spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to get our kids to church for those 100 hours a year. But you have the same amount of time in a year's worth of Sundays and two weeks of life at home with you. Two weeks of life at home with you equals a year worth of Sundays. Who is more powerful in the lives of children, spiritually? You are. And so church becomes a community that wraps around you and encourages you. You're not doing it alone. We got you. We serve a, a powerful purpose as a church. But this is where it is. And any parent goes, where is that time? Because I have no idea. You know where it is? It's in the ordinary, boring bits of life. It's the sitting with one child while you're waiting for your other kid to get out of swimming. It's uh, making food in the morning. It's the four-minute walk home from school. These little bits, 2,000 hours a year is with your teenagers. I mean, you feel like you rarely see them, but actually you got time. It may be at 11.30 at night, but you got time. And I want to teach you to, over the next two days how to use these ordinary, everyday, boring bits of time to help your kids meet and know God, because that's where God is. And if we want our children to know God in the ordinary, everyday bits of life, then that's where we've got to disciple him, because that's where he is present and powerful. So we're going to talk about this. The first thing we're going to talk about, your first tool, there's five tools. Today we're talking about how to position ourselves. Over there. And so I was about to take my shirt off and do that. Okay, there we go. It was about to get real, folks. Um, so the, um, we're going to do four tools today, and then we're going to do, tomorrow we're going to talk about conversational prayer and how to help your kid hear God's voice and consistently in life and what that looks like in the ordinary every day. Uh, today we're going to do all the rest. So the first thing is I used to live in terraced housing. In England, they sort of have houses that share a wall. So they all are the same footprint, and then they share a wall. And I love looking into other people's houses. It makes me happy. Right? My husband is totally embarrassed by me. He's horrified. Where I'm like, you know, walking down the road, and I'm like, oh, look at that. They put their couches differently. My husband just walks with his head down. And I'm like, oh, it's so interesting. They blew out that wall. We should knock down that wall in our house. I find it fascinating. Like, we all have the same houses, and yet we chose to do them vastly different. And when I look in, I'm like, that's a great idea. I want that in my life. Or, look at that terrible decision they made. I'm so glad I'm not them. Um, smug. Uh, whatever. I love looking into other people's lives and learning what I want it to look like in my own. And our kids need that because most of the time we do things together. We pray together, sing together, go to the church together. We um, pray at meal times and bedtimes. We do everything together. And at some point, we turn to our children and say, you can have a one-to-one relationship with the God of the universe who can smush you like a bug. Good luck with that. And all they have in their bag to pull out is together stuff. And they don't know what to do. They need to know what does an ordinary everyday life with God look like. And gosh, if only we had someone who was in their ordinary boring bits of life to show them what possible structure could God invent to do that. You the first thing that you can do to help your kids know how to walk life with God is to create windows. Create windows into your life. Just like 
I look into the windows of all these other people's houses and I go, oh, I want that for me. We need to start strategically creating windows into our lives and let them see it. And this doesn't mean we let them see the perfect Christian life because we don't live the perfect Christian life. And you know what? They don't need that. If we said Christian life is always easy, perfect, and wonderful, and I feel the presence of God in every moment of every day, they're going to instantly feel like they're not good enough, disappointed. They feel like they're not going to achieve. That's They can't live up to that standard because we can't live up to that standard. What our kids need to see is when I am dry and haven't been to church in two months because I've been ill and I feel disconnected from community, who is God then? Mm. Who is God when you've been interceding for your parent to uh, be healed from cancer and they haven't been yet? How are you negotiating that? What does it look like then? What does it look like when you've had the best day of your life? What does it look like then? They need to know the what does it look like. And you can do that by creating windows. Now, this doesn't mean you're like, look at the fullness of everything in my life. You're just saying sometimes they need to see it. So whatever is important to you, whatever your life looks like now is incredibly valuable to your children. I remember my um, dad used to read, he was a police officer, and so we'd see like horrific rapes and all sorts of stuff. And I remember him coming home and he'd read the Bible and he'd leave the Bible open with all of his notes. And I'd wake up at like two o'clock in the morning and I'd see him reading the Bible and he'd leave out all of his notes. And I used to love waking up in the morning and reading like what was he reading and what his notes were. I had no interest in scripture, but I discovered a love of scripture because my dad created a window into what it actually meant for him. And only later did I realize he did that on purpose. <laughs> I thought, I was like, how lame is my dad? He didn't put his notes away. Uh, but he left that out because he knew I was watching. There was a mom who uh, wanted to try that, so read, read her Bible. She had three under sixes, so she sat with her Bible out and um, turned her pages while she was desperately trying to focus. And any time a kid interrupted, she would be like, I'm just, I'm just filling my heart up with God's words right now. I'll be with you in a second. And she did that. And within three weeks, she never said, you should read your Bible. It's important. She never taught them anything. She never forced them into a Bible study. Within three weeks, she found all three of her, oh, I lie, her oldest one was eight, all three of her children reading their Bibles in their rooms by themselves. Because she just created a window into what was happening. There was one mom who was having a horrific day, horrific day, and uh, was like, you know, those days where you're like, I'm going to lose it and punch someone. And so she was like, okay, you know what? I can't pretend. So she had two toddlers in the back, and she was like, I'm going to turn on some music, and I'm going to cry with God. He's going to come give me a hug, and then uh, we'll go to swimming. And the kids were like, yay! Uh, so she put on music, and this kid, she was leaning forward, and she was like, uh, uh, she was like, I was sobbing, like pretty, uh, uh, uh. and uh, God came and met with her, and then she was like, oh, I just needed that hug from God. And uh, then they sort of moved on. And uh, on Sunday, I was on the three to fours room, and this kid got really upset. You know, it was one of those like, oh, I'm so angry. And it was so angry with me, and he's like, I'm going to go in the corner, and I'm going to tell God how I feel and he's going to hug me and, and went over to the corner <laughs> and sort of came out and he's like I needed that punk and I'm like I'm so glad but then like all these other three and four year olds are like is that a thing so then a whole bunch of people are like I'm going to the hug corner and then 
all of a sudden there was a hug corner and I, there was this thing and I was kids and I, I ended up asking her about it. She was like, oh yeah, that was just a bad day. One bad day of a tired parent resourced an entire room of children and an entire other set of families. And she could have sucked that up and tried to be the best person ever and tried to be like, Jesus is amazing. But instead, Jesus was the one who comforted and it was powerful. There are so many times we've heard stories of parents of teenagers because teenagers don't want to talk to you, but they're trapped in your car so you can tell stories. Uh, and so to just create a window and be like, oh, I had a terrible day or I had a great day. I was at here and then I was talking to God about this and I was like, oh God, I'm so angry at this. I don't really know. And I'm, you know, I'm just, you know, those days where you're like, I'm just failing God. And then he like whispered to me this one verse. And it was the verse that he told me like when I first became Christian. It was awesome. And that verse has been going through my head all day. How was your day? I don't need you to talk about it with me. I just need you to hear that I have a window with God. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Create windows. It won't look like anybody else. It'll look like you. But every stage of your journey is powerful. You may barely be a Christian. You may be still on the journey. You may be having a great time, a bad time. Your, your journey is valuable to your kids. Create windows. Um, so let them see you do it, like in church. So often we're busy wrangling children that we forget that, that actually one of the most precious things we can do for them is to worship authentically. Amen. Um, one of the most powerful things we can do is see, see us pray and really need to pray. It's, it's okay to do that because they need to see that it's real, not just hear that it's real. They need to see that it's real and hear your stories. Does anyone get creating windows? Yes. Right. Any questions on creating windows? Excellent. Let's move on. The second thing is, um, is a, well, you know this, most of these skills you know already. It's just applying it to a Christian life. Um, the, the second thing that we do is what we always do with under fives and we actually need to do for a lifetime. If you've ever been around an under five child, you do this naturally. It's called framing. Framing is when you explain what the children are saying and how to engage with it. You're walking around when you have under fives and you're like, look, trees, leaves are on trees. And then it turns autumn and you're like, leaves fall off of trees. No, it's not dead. They'll come back again. Oh, look, we're at a road. Look both ways. Wait for the green man. Whatever you do, you're constantly talking. It is this nonstop explaining. And then God and nature comes along and is like, you're not explaining enough, parents. I'm going to give your child the gift of why. And then you're just answering questions that you never thought you'd have to answer because it's all the time. Um, and what's happening inside their brain is they're saying, what am I looking at? And what difference does it make to me? They're asking that all the time. And our kids need that spiritually. If we want them to learn how to see the world and where God is in it, we've got to start saying, hey, you know, we had a you know a terrorist bombing attack uh, uh, in Manchester. And and we've got to say, hey, look, when I see this, this is where I see God in it. And this is how I feel about it. When we're walking around, when we go to worship, worship is weird. If you ever think about it, it's like group karaoke, right? <laughs> we all come together and we're all like, woo, I'm digging this song. And then we dig it so much, we close our eyes. And that's, that's all it looks like to us. But actually, if we frame for our kids what worship is, worship is when we sing words that remind us of who the truth of God is. And it lifts our eyes above all of the muck and reminds us of who he is. And it transforms our insides. And the Bible says that God comes close when we sing. So when we walk in and we sing, you're seeing a bunch of people whose hearts are changing and a God who's coming close. 
And you know what? You can engage with God in many different ways, and you can tell them how to do it. It transforms worship. Prayer, how you listen to God. Um, what's happening when you're walking down, when people are angry. You know, there's so many angry kids at school. And rather than saying just ignore them, to say, well, people get angry because they're scared or worried. And our job is to minister love into those places. And so when you see someone angry, think, what are they scared or worried about, and how can I help? And what, however, they just need framing for everything. And that doesn't mean you need to have the right answers. It just means that as we go through life, we can say, what What can I explain to the kids? How can I explain what this is? How, 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 where is God in this? Where is God in this? What is really happening here? So they can begin to understand it. Does that make sense? Frame it. Don't worry about having the right ones. Ooh, I want to need spiritually in life. Uh, your teenagers need this. Your kids need There's no age limit. I need this. That's why we go to sermons. I'm like, teach me where God is in this passage. I don't understand. We frame all the time. So this is not, uh, this doesn't need consent. It doesn't need your kids to be like, I have a question. I don't wait for the, by the time they have a question, they've been pondering it. And for me, you can see what's coming up. If you're facing a move, a house move, frame it for them. Where is God when we move? Where is God in a new location? There's so much promises of scripture. So if you know a move is coming, start talking about Abraham moving to a place he didn't see and, and where God was in that, and how God guided them. Um, frame for them also your journeys. So often we're like, right, I've decided, we, you know, I've been listening to God and we're going to move. But what what did that actually look like? Because if you frame for them, create a window and frame for them your actual journey, it was, uh, I felt like God gave me a picture of this, and then I freaked out for a month and a half, and then I wasn't sure, and then I asked God about this, and then I got a Bible verse, and then we sat down and we talked about it, and then this is what we decided. And that's, a, that's the journey of life with God, not just poof. All of a sudden we decided. So frame for them everything. And if I re sure. Uh, I'm going to give you a tool of how to answer any question your child ever asks you spiritually. Would that be helpful? <laughs> Excellent. So, um, but, she's in my pocket. You're doing great. You're doing great. I'm going to keep it blue. Um, so, uh, kids ask questions, and I find this a really helpful thing. So, uh, kids ask any question, and I will then let you ask me any question, and I will answer it according to the format. So, uh, the first thing, um, whenever a kid or a teenager asks a question, um, First, ask, what do you think? Because often we begin to freak out immediately. You know, they're like, um, you know, why didn't God heal that person and why did she die? And we're like, my answer is completely going to lay the theological foundation for their future. And if I get it wrong, I'm going to mess them up for life. Uh, and so we get this fear. And I want to, to remind you why you're in your kid's life. You are not in your kid's life to be the best theological expert of everything. You are in children's lives to show them what a normal, everyday life with God looks like. Which means when you're answering a question, you're not saying this is the perfect and final answer that you can put your life on forever. You're, you're saying this is my answer for it to the best that I understand it and I might be wrong and so that frees it so the first thing is to ask what do you think because a lot of times they're asking a question but really want to talk about something else so you know they'll ask questions you know teenagers will ask you know question like you know like how far can you actually go you know physically spiritually uh, and uh, they might ask you but you might ask your friend everyone will be like I'll handle that question for your kid if you handle that question for mine uh, but what there's a thousand 
different things that could be underneath that question. It could be about relationships. It could be about someone pressuring them. It could be about them watching a movie. And so dig, just dig a little bit. And by digging, you can just say, well, what do you think? Um, what's, where have you decided on it? And, and let them talk because often you'll end up on a totally different conversation because, um, and, and also you'll find out some really interesting things about your child spiritually. Um, when they're like, I think it's because aliens have come down and are actually Jesus. And you're like, mm, that is fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, so it, it helps because if we can't understand the, the process of walking alongside a child is not to teach them the right stuff. It's to coach them and walk alongside of them and hear their hearts. And, um, and we need to be good listeners. So what do you think? The second thing is, uh, what do we know? Do we know? Because there's lots of things we know. Um, we know this from the Bible. We know this from experience. There's lots of things we do know about that. So classic question, um, uh, is my gerbil in heaven right now? Because my, my gerbil died and I'm feeling very sad. And I've gotten this question probably the most in my life in working with children. Is my pet in heaven? Right. So what do you think? Because we got lots of answers in there. Uh, what do we know? Well based on what I can pull out of my brain at the moment. What do we know? I, we know that God gives good gifts, and our gerbil was a great gift to us. Uh, we know that, I think, in the new heaven and the new earth, my memory of pictures of heaven is that there will be animals there, I think. Um, the lion and the lamb and things like that, new creations. Um, I, th I think that's what, that's what I, and I know that humans have a soul that lives on for eternity. Those are the things that I know. What do I not know? Because there's lots of things we don't know. What do we not know? You know what? I don't know whether the animals that are heaven are animals that were here. I think in my head, because because how our souls continue is only through Jesus, and that takes an understanding engagement with Jesus. My, my thinking is that it's probably not those animals, but that doesn't mean that um, God isn't going to surround us with animals to encourage us and support us and enjoy. I, I don't know, because I sort of see that in Scripture. So four, how do I cope with that? Because this is the thing. It's how do you put all of that knowledge together? And so you can say, I know when I lost my pet when I was your age, I cried and cried and cried and cried. And I so wanted to see him again because I wanted it to not be over my time with my pet. But you know what? Actually, I'm so grateful for the time I had. And so I just thanked God. Thank you for this time. And I show God pictures on my head of memories of my favorite times with my pet and how what a great gift this pet was. Whether or not I see that pet again is okay because I had this great gift from God for this time and I'm so thankful and I'm a bit upset and you can tell God all of those feelings because that's what I did does that make sense is it the perfect theological answer? No. A perfect theological logic would be like, well, actually, in Revelation 8.45, oh, this Bible says this, and we pull it together, and we can pull out a book. But that was my answer. Now, if that's not good enough, well, I know a person who has a lot more theology than me, and we can ambush them with this question on Sunday. Shall we do that? Let's write a post-it note to remind us, and let's go find out together. Um, and, and so what we're modeling is not, I always have the perfect answers, but that between me, Scripture, and a community of people we can find it together 
And the older they get, the more you can give them tools. You can say, what do we know? What do we not know? At some point, I think I turned 17, and my mom was like, I'm not your Bible answer man. So she'd be like, she'd say, what do you think? And I'd tell her, and she's like, have you researched it and looked it up? And I'm like, no, I just want you to tell me. And she's like, well, that's not how life works, is it? So uh, she's like, here's the concordances, and here's all the stuff you need to know, and you, you figure it out, and then let's have a good conversation about it, because walking together in faith is about bringing what you know and sharpening each other, and I want you to bring something to the conversation. And so the older she got, the more she cut me off and uh, trained me how to do it. But um, you can frame anything. Does that make sense? Throw me any other question you want me to show you how this works. Any question? Who created God? Excellent question. Raise your hand if anyone has had that question from a child. Excellent. Great. It's a deep theological thing. All right. Who created God? What do you think? <laughs> There's a power in it that feels happy inside. So whatever you, whatever your answer, interesting. Um, what I try not to do is then pick apart that child's theology. This isn't like, what do you think? Let me assess it. And so I just go for that's really interesting. Um, the bits that I know are, and so it feels like all of a sudden we're have, we're in an equal conversation with each other. So what do we know? What do we know? Well, my memory from scripture, and I think it's from Genesis, or it's from John, I think. Um, it says that in the beginning was God. It's the very beginning, and in the beginning was the Word. And so, before there was anything, there was God. And God was everything. And so, it's really hard. So, what do we know? We know that, God, that it says that before anything, there was God. There was nothing before God. What do we not know? I don't know what it was like for God when he was just... God before creation. I find that fascinating. At some point, God chose to create. Before that, he was just existing as God, and then there was something in him that wanted to bring us into his world. What do I not know? I, I don't know what it looked like or what it was like, and I find it hard to imagine. And so then I go straight to Ico. I find it hard to imagine what was before God, but I do trust the Bible because I know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and if he's never going to end and never going to begin, my tiny brain cannot imagine that and sometimes I think I really want to figure it out and understand it sometimes I think I am so in awe of a God that I can't understand and I like that so who created God nobody created God God was always in existence and he's the ultimate creator that's my answer. What do you think? And then we're in a conversation. And I say, I totally disagree with you. And you're like, well, that's fascinating. Tell me more. And we're in a conversation. Is that the perfectly logical answer? No. Some of you will be able to answer it much better than me. But you know what? You're not my kid. You are the experts in your own kids. You know what their questions are. You know how they like things explained to them. You're in their life so that you can help them on the next step. And if you get it wrong, I've got it wrong multiple times in my life. Uh, I There are many times where I have been come back to my kid and be like, hey, remember like three weeks ago and you asked this question and I gave this answer. So I've been reading and I listened to a sermon and you know what? <laughs> I was totally wrong. Uh, so this is what I learned now. And then my kid's like, huh, interesting. I'm like, I know, right? So I'm still growing. You're still growing. We're all on the journey. And that just models that you don't have, you're, we're never going to be perfect until we're actually seeing Jesus in the face. We're never going to be perfect to understand everything. And our brains probably won't even understand then, but we're on a journey. Does that make sense? Frame. 
and answer questions. Right, third one. You okay? Does anyone in the sunshine need to move to a lack of sunshiny place? Okay, does anyone's bottoms hurt need to move to a chairs or anything? Okay, I want to take care of you well. I know there's no scripture that says Jesus was concerned about people's bottoms, but I am. Right. Uh, okay, so the third thing is unwinding. Um, and I'm going to start by an exercise. We're going to have to do a group exercise with this. This is called unwinding. Do I still have 30? Oh, you're so good. Unwinding. Okay. Um, I want you, someone's going to organize. Ma'am, would you mind organizing this? I want everybody in this room to describe this room, this outdoor room of Lord. Uh, can someone also take my phone and take a picture of this? Because... <laughs> My husband will not believe this. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. There we go. It's going to feel so cool. Okay. So anyways, just look natural. Look like you're deeply being impacted by the Lord. Mm. I may stage one at the end where we all just lay on the floor and I can tell him like the spirit fell and it was awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Great. Great. Wonderful. All right. Thanks. Okay. So I would like you all to describe to me this person that you all agree on. Um, it has to be a real person. It has to be someone you all know. Um, but I don't want you to describe to them me their physical characteristics. I want you to describe to me the essence of this person, their character traits, you know. And I am going to draw a picture of this person based on your description of their character traits. All right? Does that make sense? Right. Ma'am, would you mind standing up? Uh, I Here, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to put my fingers so I can't hear it. But I guess it's in a different language, so that's all right. Fine. Okay. All right. Okay. Ready? No, decide on a, decide on a person. Got it. Okay. All right. I want you. Oh, can I do this one? Okay. So go ahead. Describe to me using words in English so that I can understand. You can sit down now. Thank you. Uh, and I will then draw a picture of them. You're going to have to call it really hard because I'm going to be behind here. Okay. Go ahead. Describe to me this person, not their physical characteristics. Tough and what? Bold. Oh, tough, bold narcissist. Okay, hold on. Give me a second. I have to. I have to draw this. All right, tough, bold. All right, hold on, hold on. Okay. Now I I don't have an art degree, but I am pretty good. So this may look very photorealistic. Um, right, um, bold narcissist. All right, hold on, hold on. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Tell me more. Intense and patriotic. Patriot. patriotic. Okay. Arrogant. Intense patriotic arrogance. Uh, okay. <laughs> right. Uh, intense patriotic arrogance. Okay, hold on. <laughs> All right. Here we go. All right. Uh, I have to get the Swedish. Okay. All right. There we go. What else? Charismatic. Charismatic. Oh, okay. Hold on. Uh, charismatic. All right. Okay. Right. Uh, what else? Tough. Okay. Oh, I'll have to give them this too. All right. What else? He loves beautiful women. And uh, yeah, he's a lady. A racist bigot. Well, that doesn't fit with what. Uh, okay. All right. All right. Huh, big mouth. All right, all right. Here we go. Okay. So this is my picture, I mean, a show of this person. All right, so. Okay. So. So I picture him 
as uh, you know, first I pictured him as a woman, and then and then someone said it was he. Yes, that's great. So I pictured him to be very strong because he was very bold. Um, but but loves God evidently and is charismatic, and so uh, it was praising tongues a lot. Um, but also like has a flag. It was very Nordic in my head, like sort of Viking type thing. So I have the sort of sort of stuff going on there. Shorts because I pictured him to be very sporty. Uh, I don't know why. Because uh, like racist. I don't know. I pictured him like being really aggressive on the football pitch and stuff like that. So obviously I would want to stay away from this person, but also like maybe he's like a Joshua in scripture who's like really offensive and yet was used by God. Uh, so who was it? Trump. Trump. <laughs> More like a Cyrus. All right. So let's turn that one back around. You all, you all describe to me characteristics of someone. And you were all telling the truth as far as you knew it. Mm-hmm. And yet I put it together in my head mm-hmm. to be an aggressive Viking footballer. <laughs> when we talk to our kids about God, they are on a journey of discovering who God is. And they're putting together scripture. They're putting together their own experience with God. They're putting together what their friends are saying at school. And they're all piecing it together into an image of God that they then are trying to respond to. So when we try to get our kids to pray, sometimes... And they're resistant. Have you ever, like, talked to a kid and the kid who will not stop talking all of a sudden refuses to pray one sentence out loud and you're like, what is going on? Sometimes it's because they have a view of God that pushes them away from God. Not because we've told them something wrong, not because we've lied to them, but because in their journey they've constructed a concept of him that isn't the reality of him. And our honor as parents and people who work with kids is to help shepherd them back to a a right view of God. Now this is a natural process of children's brains growing. They make really interesting connections and our job is to catch them. So it's a really common thing, for instance, for under fives to connect things like we tell them God is loving and God wants us to care for people. So kids very easily go, when I care for people, God loves me, which means that when I am unkind to my sibling, God hates me. And they connect those things. Now, we've never said that, but the natural parts of their brains are putting together those things. And so as they go through life, if we tell them God is a close God, God is a a God who loves you and cares for you, and yet their experience has been, I can't hear God, I don't know God, then their experience shapes him into a distant God, no matter what we tell them, because they're experiences coming in. And so our job is to walk alongside our kids and ask them questions and find out what their perception of God is so that we can begin to broaden it. The answer is to not go in the opposite direction. The answer is to broaden it out. I'm just going to check the time. Yes. The answer is to broaden it out. And so if, if we put a list of all of the characteristics of God up here, he's joyful, he's just, he's kind, he's wonderful, he's patient, he's loving, he's omnipresent, we could list a hundred words up here of God. And rather than going, oh, my kid has a distant view of God, I'll just say he's close. Actually, our kids need to know if he's distant, he's also active and he's just and he's wonderful and he's joyful. And we just broaden it out so that they never pigeonhole God into one aspect 
of him. And so how you can do that is ask open-ended questions of unwinding. So one, just look out for it. You'll notice it. You'll notice kids being like, I don't want to talk to, why, what's the point of telling God stuff? Because he knows it already. And so we then feel like that's an intellectual debate to be like, well, I'm smarter than you and I can figure it out too. And ha, it's because he wants us to know and then we feel stuck. That's actually not a question. That's an it's a weird view of God that we can encounter. So if they say, what's the point of talking to God? He, he knows it already. Well, that's them picturing God in this hole going, all right, I got that information. I don't need any more. Um, and so the answer to that is talking to God isn't about information sharing. It's about heart opening. And when you have a day, I may know that you had something, but I want to hear how you feel about it and what you talk about it. And when you talk about it, I feel close to you. And so we're broadening the view of God. Does that make sense? So ask open-ended questions is a really fun way to do that because Christian kids like telling you the right answers. Yeah. Because they feel the pressure. Um, and even though we're like, I've never pressured you. I don't need you to perform for me. But our kids love us and they want us to approve and so they're going to want to give us the right answers so we trick them by asking open-ended questions which has a conversation like did jesus fancy anybody was he attracted to anybody in high school and would that have been okay Whoa, that's a debate and a half. Uh, but that's fun. Then you'll find out what they actually think. Um, God created the world um, in seven days, depending on how you feel about it. Uh, but on the seventh day, it said he rested. When I rest, I binge watch television. When my husband rests, he goes hiking in the mountains. What did, what did God do? Is there a right answer to that? No. Does it have a really interesting conversation? Yes. Uh, and so when you ask those open-ended questions, you find out what they actually think. And you don't have to correct it at the time. You're just modeling for them that it's okay to doubt. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to wrestle together with it. We are on our journey side by side, and we're finding those things. And you can say, oh, interesting, and this is what I think, and this is what you think. And we can unwind those and unpick them. And you can also create windows into your journey to say, you know what? I think I just came out of church. <laughs> snotting and being like you know what I think I had thought that God was sitting there judging every mistake I made and our our leader was just saying about how my mistakes mean nothing to God and that just like I realized I was seeing God all wrong if you tell that to your kid they're going to go oh, maybe I'm seeing God wrong and they're open to that so unwind wrong views of God yes in the book and on the website there's different views of God that children have like distant view and mysterious view and how we can unwind those proactively and things like that um, and how we contribute to those for instance like uh, have you ever sung songs um, about um, God and um, what are the actions when you sing action songs, what is the action for God? God, that guy, way up there, which is fine unless your kid has a distant view of God in which we're just reinforcing that. And so if your kid has a distant view of God, then you might want to proactively pick a different sign, action, so that when you're doing God, you're doing this or whatever. Uh, it's being able to unwind that, proactively do that, right? Fourth one, and then we'll go. Uh, the last the last thing, um, like I said, tomorrow we're going to talk about how to help your kid hear God's voice, no matter what their age, and be able to do it for themselves and create that sort of two-way conversation. So that's the fourth one. Um, the last one here is um, surfing the waves. Has anyone ever been surfing? Yes. Yes. All right. Oh, good. Any smug people you can talk to later. Um, surfing the waves. All of this so far we've talked about is being proactive in the lives of our kid. It's creating windows into our lives. It's teaching them what they're looking at and where God is in it. It's, it's watching where their view of God is and unwinding it. But 
God is active in the life of your kids. He is doing things. He is discipling them. He is talking to them. He is doing stuff. And one of the things we can do while we're being proactive is watch out for the waves of what God is doing and then jump on board with it. And so it could be something that they're, well, when you're surfing, you sort of float in the ocean, then you watch for a wave coming, and then you have to paddle really fast to like get at the right speed, and then you get, get to surf it. So one of the things is recognizing what God is doing in the life of your kid. And that could be for young kids, what they play. All of a sudden you'll notice kids playing the same thing over and over again. Like they're all of a sudden they're the rescuer or all of a sudden they're the cop who's you know protecting everybody. You'll notice a scheme of, of narrative that's happening. And you can jump on board with that as you play with them and be like, um, yeah, I'm going to rescue you like God rescued us. And then you can think, I can start creating windows into God rescuing me. And you can jump on board with whatever interests they're having at the time. But there's also momentary interests. I remember my kid was, um, he had no interest in going to the prayer meeting. And then one time he had like a justice moment. He was like, I am not invited to the church prayer meeting. And I'm like, well, it's like bedtime on a school night. So no. Uh, But there was something in him that was like, I want, I was like, do you want to go? And he was like, I want to go. He was like seven. And I'm like, technically bedtime blah 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 but this could be an interesting wave so sure i'll surf it tonight so i sort of came along board i'm like okay you can go to the church prayer meeting but uh these are the rules i just made up some stuff like you pray 15 minutes and then you can watch tv for 15 minutes you do that uh and uh you have to pray out loud once and when you're engaging you have to engage and listen and say yes when that's right with god and i framed for him uh and so he's like yeah yeah do it so we show up this prayer meeting i'm like we're gonna last like half hour Hour. Uh, and I said, whenever you're ready to go, we'll go. So we show up. He's like seven. Never been to a church prayer meeting, you know, like before. And uh, so I'm like, you start with engaging. Listen. Whenever your heart says yes to you, say out loud because God listens to our yeses. He's like, okay. So we start listening. And uh, I learned one thing. My kid is very judgmental about other people's prayers because, um, you know, some people be praying. He's like, no. <laughs> and then someone else prays something and he was like, meh. And I'm like, okay. He actually looked at me and went, Meh. and I'm like, okay, let's keep our hands down, though. That's not. And then, and then he would get to a moment where he'd be like, yes, God. And I'm like, all right, like that was worth it for the yeses. And so he did the whole thing. We stayed there for an hour and 45 minutes. And I was like, how bizarre. And then we got to the moment where it was like his time to, he had to pray. That was his rule. He had to pray once. And he was like shaking. And it was the last moment. There's like 50 adults in the room and him. Uh, and I'm like, he's going to pray once. And everyone's like all ready for this. And he was like, God, I pray that you would find the lost and lonely and let them know that you love him and he said it so quietly but everyone was listening and and 50 people were like amen yes god and he was like it was a good one and i'm like i don't know and we get in the car and he's like he's like let's talk about the top 10 things that happened tonight and I'm like okay so he's like this is my favorite moment when that person talked about the missionary I was having like this is the best day ever so we get home it's like 10 o'clock at night I'm like your brain is going to be mush tomorrow but that was totally worth it so next week comes around and I'm like prayer meeting tonight you ready to go and he's like no and I was like what he has never gone since ever but and I could get so crushed by that and there are so many times in our kids lives where they're like they're having a great time with God and then they're not and we're like what happened or you know they love the reading the Bible and then they're off it and and we see that as failures in us or we worry that it's them walking away and sometimes it's just the waves of their life but while the wave is going ride it and then when it stops it's fine because you know what he 
I watch him during church and he'll say yes God when he means it he had an experience that has shaped his future just because he never repeats that big moment doesn't mean that it hasn't shaped him and everything that God is doing in the life is shaping and we can come alongside of it and you know what some waves aren't going to be yours you're going to be like whoa my kid really likes heavy metal worship music I'm not going to jump on board that one uh, that's not going to be playing in my house but good for you uh, and then other times you're going to be like no I can get on board this one and, and God is doing it and you can jump on board these waves in your kids lives no matter how old they are I knew I knew one parent with older children who, who had gone off to university and he was like whenever you want to go to church I want to jump on board that wave and so I will pay for all of your travel to and from church if you want to do that that's how I want to jump on board of that wave um, I know other people with teenagers who put 20 quid on the, on the fridge uh, and be like if you ever have something that God is doing inside of you and you want to resource that I want to jump on board that wave and I'll pay for that um, you can buy this is for Christian music this is for Christian camps I'm, I'm here for you. Uh, I know some people who are like, you be the DJ for our, our house. Can someone put on worship? You Whatever worship you think is right for tonight and jump on board with that. Whatever whatever wave your kid is on, ride it because um, you never know when it's going to end and it's not our job to keep dragging it. We will read the Bible every night. Um, ride it when it's great and then when it's not, look for a different wave because God's waves are constantly coming. So create windows, frame, unwind wrong views of God, and uh, surf the waves. Uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about chat and catch and how we can help our kids know God's voice. The last thing I want to tell you is all the resources out there. I do, if you want to hear more of me, <laughs> brace yourself. Uh, I do a 20-minute podcast every week for parents that has things like this, like how to explain wrath to your children, God's wrath to children, or um, how to come alongside teenagers when they think that God doesn't exist. Um, and so we hit three different topics every week and an interesting open-ended question to ask your kid to start a conversation going. That's every week. There's already 35 episodes up there to catch up with. It's called the Parenting for Faith podcast. Um, if you want to go to parentingforfaith.org, that's my organization, um, parentingforfaith.org. There's over 200 videos of um, and articles of stuff. You can It's searchable, so you can type in cancer and up will pop articles of how to spiritually explain your cancer to your kids. You can type in nightmares. There's a whole series on helping your kids um, with nightmares and uh, there's all sorts of stuff on there um, there is a free Parenting for Faith course we've covered like in minute detail a few of the sessions of the Parenting for Faith course there's eight sessions only focused on how to help your kids meet and know God how to do prayer ministry with them how, how to help there's a whole session on how to help them engage with church and be a part of it uh, and that's free on the website it's a video we got a BBC producer in we did it really nice and pretty and that's free on the website as well a Parenting for Faith course and if you want to do it together there's leaders handbooks and all sorts on there and uh parent podcast course website well, I don't know if there's anything else, but go there. The thing will tell you. Um, and also, if you have someone in church who you would love someone at your church to know all this stuff and be able to encourage and support you, we're just launching a qualification. So there's a whole week course where someone can get a certificate and how to help parents parent for faith and how to turn it into a church culture that supports it. So uh, talk to your church leaders and send them on it because it's going to be great. Um, and... Uh, 
Yes, uh, and then there's there books out there of, of how to do this stuff. There's a book on how to help kids meet and know God. Um, there's how to help kids with their purpose and find their calling in life. There's one on confidence and how to help kids um, face a world that tells them that they're ugly and need to be someone besides themselves and how to face it with God-centered confidence. There's a book called Comfort in the Darkness, which um, and there's a Danish version of that, which is how to um, it's stories about sleep, dreams in the night, and who God is in the night, so that we can talk about about what God does when we're sleeping and who he is so our kids can look forward to the night knowing all the stuff that God does at nighttime and that's rewritten Bible stories and sort of devotionals and using all these tools you'll be like oh now I create a window I know how to do that uh, and so there's loads of resources out there for you but um, even if you do one of these I guarantee you you will see your kids really flourish in Christ uh, doing all four of them is great and it takes very little to none of your time you've got 2,000 hours a year to do this little tiny stuff and God is going to anoint you. So can I pray for you? God, I thank you that you have placed us imperfect as we are in the lives of our kids and you have made us the experts not in all of theology but in their hearts and in what they like and don't like and what makes them afraid and you've given us favor in their eyes that we can speak life and encouragement to them and I pray that you would uh, continue to make us bold that in these little ordinary boring bits of life we may speak of you and show them our imperfect journeys and take a moment to explain to them who you are in that moment that we may notice where they're journeying with you and where they're going a bit off and just broaden their understanding of the wonderfulness of you help us to see their waves as they're coming that we can jump on board and help them take their next step with you god i thank you for the gift of them in our lives and god i pray particularly for um, parents of teenagers if you're a parent of a teenager raise, raise your hand Okay, statistics say that you are still incredibly significant in the life of your kids spiritually. You have not finished parenting. You are deeply powerful in the lives of your kids. They listen to you. They watch you a lot. And so they may be judging you while they're doing it, but while they're watching, you might as well be creating windows like no tomorrow. And you might as well be talking about it because they need it. They need your experience. They need your stories. They need it. They, you are still significant powerfully. And I just want to pray particularly for these parents of teenagers. God, that you would make them bold, that you would strengthen their emotional connection with their children, that they may um, speak life and encouragement, that they may be um, the imperfect models of what life with God can and will be like for their children. And I pray that you would make them, uh, fill them with hope for their children's now and for their futures. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hopefully I'll see some of you here tomorrow where we talk all about how to help our kids hear God's voice and deal with disappointment and what happens if it doesn't and how to help them uh, discern between what is God and isn't. We'll talk all about that tomorrow. But in the meantime, uh, go get the coffee first. Thank you so much for coming. You have been listening to the Vineyard Nordic podcast. For more information, please visit the Vineyard Nordic's website, vineyardnordic.org.